I feel like I was telling Kevin, our worship leader, that he name-dropped me like two or three times, and so I have something to live up to. Um, Scott just prayed, so I'm not going to pray um, again, but um, hold on, let me get this out of um, We're going to just jump right into Scripture uh, this morning. Sometimes we have to talk a little bit beforehand, but um, so we're going to start and jump off from uh, Psalm 42, verse 5. Let me just give you a little bit of background in it, is um, in case you're unfamiliar with the Psalms, uh, many of them were written by King David. This one was, um, and the Psalms are either poems or songs. It looks like this one actually was supposed to be with music anyway, and it's interesting that Psalm 42, verse 5, is the exact same verse as Psalm 42, verse 11. He actually says the exact same thing. So whatever he's saying here, he's really feeling it. It's, it's, it's important for him to say this. So we're going to start there, and then we'll uh, kind of unpack this idea this morning. Psalm 42, verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So why is David's soul downcast and depressed? Uh, As I was thinking about that, I was thinking about, well, a lot of us uh, can relate with that. Um, why do so many of us relate with this part of David? Why? Well, I think because if you think about life, sometimes I just feel like we have lives full of junk, (laughs) uh, in a world full of junk, seemingly without much hope. I mean, I see a world full of viruses, war, famine, racism, poverty, abuse, human human trafficking, global warming, school shooting, alcoholism, drug abuse, poisonous personal attacks on the internet. Some of us deal with chronic sickness and disease. Some of us struggle with mental health. Some of us um, are mourning even recent, like the recent death of loved ones. I I know that's going on uh, in here. It just seems like uh, there's a lot of junk in the world. And even though the media doesn't portray it, because everything's all happy, especially if you watch the Hallmark Channel, um, year after year, studies show that this time of year, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, is the time Americans, especially, struggle with depression the most. Every year. I'm sure the, the gray cold weather doesn't help, although, like today, it was cold, but it was beautiful out. But just think about it. The stress of keeping up with the neighbors who have already put up their blow-up Santas, right? And have already bought their presents, like probably including two Lexuses, in case you watch TV at all. Every year, somebody's getting two Lexuses. When we're just trying to uh, stay employed or keep our kids healthy and in school and and eat, right? Um, Anxiety comes with the traveling, you know, especially with the fears of getting sick over the last couple years. 
or looking with trepidation at coming together with family that you don't really get along with and probably only see them once a year um, based on your past experiences. And I'm sure that you could add to that list. This is the real dirt, though, right? This is the real stuff of life. We deal with these things. So there's a good reason, or there are good reasons that you might be downcast or that David's downcast. And if I haven't depressed you enough, don't worry, I'm not done yet, right? I've got some more depressing news. Now, fortunately, not all of us deal with all of this stuff, and that's good for you if you don't. But even if you don't feel this way, think about the people in our church or outside of the walls who are struggling with these things. How should we care for them? Sometimes it's just hard to have hope in the midst of real life. But wait. In the second half of the verse that we just read, it has something to offer, right? Hope. There is a hope. And how can we obtain this hope? Well, I think uh, I, I like to a lot of times when I'm focusing on a one word, look it up in the, in the, the dictionary, in our modern speak, our contemporary English dictionary. Uh, when I looked it up, the dictionary def definition of a hope is the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. Or a second one is to look forward with desire and reasonable confidence. Now, with this definition, I think I can reasonably understand that I can hope for a new flannel shirt for Christmas, right? Um, but just because I hope doesn't mean that I'll get it, right? Sometimes I do get it. Like, I mean, the one gift that I'll probably remember for the rest of my life was when I hoped but kind of like didn't really expect it was the Ewok Village, this was back when Star Wars was new, like the first Star Wars. And I remember this huge box waiting for me, and I had no idea what it was. But when I opened it up, it was the Ewok Village. Go forward a few years, and in sixth grade, I wanted a Swatch brand watch. Now, that may not sound like a big deal to you, but if you're my age, that was the thing. Anybody who was anything had a swatch. And I wanted a swatch so bad, but I didn't get it. So sometimes you hope for these things and you get them, and other things you hope and you don't get them. The point is here is that the stuff that the hope in stuff, is that hope in stuff, material things, is never assured. It doesn't deal with assurance, even when it seems to be assured. There's this story that I uh, tell a lot um, when I'm thinking about this is, uh, for Christmas shopping, when my mom and my family used to go out Christmas shopping um, a couple times during the year, but there was this one day where just me and my mom would go out. We'd go to the mall, we'd have lunch, it would be kind of our day. We'd shop for uh, my dad and my brother, and we would also shop for me. She just wanted to know what stuff we would get. And sometimes we'd go into a store and... Uh, I'd say, well, I'd like that. Um, and she'd say, well, there's not that many of these. So why don't we just buy it and I'll wrap it up for you. It won't be a surprise, but at least, you know, you'll still get, get some surprises. Well, this one year, we went into 
Eddie Bauer? I don't remember. One of those stores. And um, there were these two rugby shirts. And I didn't even know I wanted one. But I saw it and I was like, that gray rugby shirt is what I want. And my mom's like, what about the blue one? I'm like, "Ah, I don't like the blue one. You know, that's... But we could get that for Paul because Paul doesn't really care about style anyway and he'd probably be happy with it. So she's like, okay, well, there's not that many, so I'll get those. So Christmas morning rolls around and we're unwrapping. And I was assured in my spirit and my soul and my heart that I would open up to a gray one. But I opened it up and it was the blue one. And I was so disappointed. I shouldn't have been so assured about it. Um, later on, I switched them. And I don't think you even noticed. But uh, So unless, unless you're totally unlike me, there are things in this world that we like or hope for, which aren't bad per se, but that which sometimes can become bad. When hope becomes something else, when hope becomes when we covet or we dwell upon or we overly desire. Oh, if I just had that one more pair of shoes, my wardrobe would be complete, right? Or if I just had that other device that others have, my life would be so much easier. You know, I, I actually never knew I needed an iPad until it was invented. Um, You know, I'm focused a little bit here on materialism, but that's because during this time of year, we allow, as Americans, retail marketing to do so much to us already. But in this time of year, it becomes Uber, like Uber marketing and Uber consumption, right? And we just spend, and if we can, or we just get bombarded with, you need this, you need an iPad, you need new shoes. And we get sucked into that if we're not focused on the right things. Just as people, we ought to know that for a while, for maybe a short time, we will enjoy the things that we get. But eventually, as the Bible says, moths and rust destroy. Styles change with every season. Technology advances and makes our old stuff irrelevant. Riding mowers break down. Or beyond material things, we could think about the immaterial things that that we desire. You know, oh, if I just have that experience, whatever that may be, I wouldn't feel so left out. Or if I just got more Facebook friends, that would make me feel less lonely all the studies actually make you feel more lonely. Or that next amazing man or woman, they will complete me. Now these aren't necessarily bad things in and of themselves, but they can become snares of sin when they become obsession or feel needed when they're really not. And none of them are assured or promised. None of them really satisfy our souls and our deepest longings. It's interesting because Scripture constantly calls for us to be in fellowship. We talk a lot about community in that. But even Scripture then also constantly calls us for not to put our trust or our hope in man. 
Psalm 118 says, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. So, maybe the reason our soul is so downcast is not that we haven't hoped, but maybe we have hoped wrongly. Romans 5.5 5 says, hope does not disappoint, but hope, as we see it in this way, certainly does disappoint. But wait, there's something else. With a little digging, and I get, I get a little bit nerdy about this sometimes, but if we, if we do a little digging into the original languages, languages of Scripture, the Old Testament was originally written in Greek and has been translated into English and all sorts of things. You don't have to look into the Greek, but I think that'll help us a little bit here. The Greek word for hope is this word elpis. And it actually means, if you look into it enough, it means expectation, trust, and confidence. It comes from this root word elpo, not the dog food, um, which means to anticipate with pleasure and to welcome. Hmm. And then if you look at the Old Testament Hebrew, there's actually two words for hope. Tikva and kava. Like Albus Tava has this this same sort of um, idea of expecting or waiting for or looking for eagerly. Kava really is the one that really interests me because it comes from this root word kav, which means cord or rope. Kava has this feeling of tension and expectation while waiting for something to happen, like pulling a cord tight. It seems like there's something that you're pulling to get what's on the other end and that it's coming, it's there. There's a real substance to what I'm hoping for. You get what I'm trying to say there? There's a real substance. There's real assurance. So the scriptural words translated hope in English means more than what we had read earlier. Remember I said that it was the feeling that is what is wanted, that what is wanted can be had, or to look forward with reasonable confidence. But scriptural hope, on the other hand, is more than a feeling, and it is more than reasonable. It's a real expectation. It's a real, true assurance. So when we read the Bible, we find all these stories and all these things about God talking about having hope or people talking to the, the, the prophets or the apostles talking about hope or writing about hope. And um, they're writing about something real there. And it's important for us to recognize that this is all over scripture. And that Christian hope or God's hope, this elpis or kava, is wholly different from worldly hope. God's hope has nothing to do with you know, Christmas flannels or Ewok villages or iPads or Lexuses. God's hope is all about assurance. This is the hope David was singing about. He understood that God's hope could overcome and was the solution to his depression. Think about this month, okay? We're thinking about Advent. Advent can be seen as a season of looking forward to Christmas, right? the celebration of the nativity or birth of, of the Messiah, Jesus. So looking forward sounds like kind of a hopeful, hopeful sort of thing, right? It's interesting that the first Christmas 
actually happened in the past. So Advent is really looking forward to the past, sort of a back to the future sort of thing. If, if, I hope I'm not dating myself by referencing in that movie. And if you've grown up in church or even just go during Christmas time, you hear this scripture every year. For to us a child is given, or is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's from the book of Isaiah. This Old Testament scripture um, was a prophecy. It was before Jesus came. And it was a prophecy of the birth of the Messiah. So when we celebrate Advent, we don't just think about ourselves, but we remember our spiritual ancestors, the Jewish people of the Old Testament, who also looked forward and hoped for the Messiah. They longed to see his coming, the Savior of Israel during their hard times. The Savior of Israel who would break the bondage of the occupying nations, who overthrew their king and their government, who overran their culture and worship, and exiled them from their God-given land. That's why I wanted to sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, right? O come, O come, Emmanuel, come to us captive Israel, come to us lonely and exiled people. That's what they were looking for. So they endured this hardship in the Old Testament, but they still hoped And it was this hope of God's people, after nearly being wiped out from existence numerous times in history, that kept them going as a people. To know you're chosen by God gives you real hope and real assurance that it's all going to work out. You know, no matter what's going on. And as Christians... We believe that the Messiah has actually already come. That he is Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, another word for the Messiah. And we also, Scott already said this, we also believe that he's coming back. And that's why Advent is full of hope. Advent looks forward to the second coming of Jesus. Our hope tells us to look forward to the eternal kingdom of God coming in fullness for Jesus the Christ to gather up his people, to reign as perfect, loving king, to set things right, to take vengeance on his enemies, all wickedness and injustice, to restore broken relationships, to destroy racism, trafficking, poverty, all those things we talked about, to demolish all sickness disease, infirmity, and pain, to wipe away loneliness, to break down all fear, all sadness, all depression, all anxiety. It's all going to be gone. That's hopeful. It's all going to be gone. Just as Israel hoped, we hope, and we hope with assurance. Okay? So there is a hope. A hope. But I think to maybe look a little bit deeper and to unpack hope a little bit more, we need to recognize that there's a foundation for hope. Hope just doesn't come. There needs to be a foundation. 
The thing about biblical hope is that when you look at Scripture, it is almost exclusively found right beside another word, which is faith. Hope looks forward, but it is based on faith that tells us really to look back. Faith at its most basic level is a belief in Jesus as the Messiah and what he said and did. Hope looks forward, and faith looks back, but they're complementary. They, they can't be unlinked. You can have faith without hope, but faith is really grounded in the reality of the past while hope is looking forward to the reality of the future. Without faith, there is no hope. As followers of Jesus, our call is to build our lives, the foundation of our lives, on following him. So without this foundation of faith in Jesus, what thing can we really hope for or can I hope for? What, what thing? There's nothing that's assured. But if you put your faith in Jesus, we now have hope. We hope for something. Faith assures us. We were born into a world without assured hope. We were once without hope, but now we have hope. And our ultimate hope, really, is the kingdom of God coming in fullness to eternal life with the Messiah. So, Okay, well, great. But what about today? Well, I'm not sure, but it seems to me if we really live into it, if we really take this hope as our own, having this eternal hope should actually make us more effective today. My eternal hope gives me great joy every day that I focus on it. And it makes us focused on those things that are eternal, but also true now. Let me say a few more things about this so it makes sense. Faith doesn't just sit back. And even though I said faith looks back, faith doesn't just look back. But it also tells us to look to today. Faith is a now thing, too. Today... God is sovereign. Today, God is on the throne. And today, God, and today, the kingdom of God is in existence fully, just not fully revealed to us yet. Knowing through faith that God is alive and that my king today makes me one... And, sorry. Knowing through faith that God is alive and is my king today makes me want to follow what he's doing by his spirit today. So it's not just about what happened. And because our hope in eternity is based on faith today, it means I'm called to engage with the reality of the dirt today. It's actually this hope, this assurance, this long-term perspective of eternity that really is the only thing that helps us today. It helps us to work on broken relationships without getting bitter. It helps us to endure trials with the recognition that they may make me stronger 
today and tomorrow, and that I'll get through. It helps me to recognize that I am called. We are called to fight against poverty and these other injustices, even those, those, though those things will continue. Because my ultimate faith or my ultimate hope is that God will bring peace, that the lion will rust with the lamb, and that I am called and able to bring hope. Not just hope, but the greatest hope to others. I can do that today. Our greatest hope still, though, is his return. I mean, I can hope for a sweater or a husband or a wife. I can't, actually, because I'm already married. I can hope for a raise at my job, but I can't be assured of any of these things. There's one thing I can be sure of. My greatest hope is his return and him making everything better. But you know what? I got one more thing that we can hope for. A bonus. Those of you who uh, know Adam Kelsch, uh, remember he used to always talk about the bonus of knowing Jesus. He used to say it's a bonus. The one more thing that we can hope in is actually a whole group of things. The other things that I can be assured in, of, that I can be sure, assured of in this life is that whatever God has promised in his word will happen. Because our faith and thus our Christian hope is built on Jesus' work and words, his promises. Want to hear a couple of them? He promises to lead and guide us. He promises to give us wisdom and insight. He promises to speak to us. He promises to answer prayer. He promises abundant life on earth. He promises that he'll meet all of our needs. He promises that he's for us. He promises that he loves us. He promises that he never leaves us. He promises that he never changes. And he has a thousand other promises. So during Advent, we look forward to Christmas. And we look back to our Savior, the Messiah, being born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. And in life today, we look forward in hope to the returning reign of Jesus, the Messiah. And this season, as we look and move towards Christmas, let us reclaim the idea that every good and perfect gift comes from God, comes from Jesus. It is the only spirit who puts hope in us. We can't just work it up. We need to start with faith. But once we have faith, it's there. A lot of us live in faith, but we don't live with hope. And that's not right. They're there. It's there. So, I'm not a name it, claim it guy. But sometimes, like David in our verse, we need to talk to ourselves. We need to talk to our own soul and name where we're at and where we're off and Claim what God has promised. Soul, why am I so disturbed? Soul, why are you down in the dumps? Take that thought captive. The Bible talks about taking our thoughts captive. Give it to Jesus and tell your soul or tell yourself. That's the second half of that verse. Put your hope in God.
And one last verse. Straight from our state flag atop our fair capital reminds us. Romans 6, 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul which is firm and secure. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, let me pray as the worship team comes back up and leads us in a couple more songs. God, we are uh, in a season that is so easy to get lost in, as, as Pastor Scott talked about. It's so easy to get our focus on stuff and preparations of meals and shopping. And I mean, it's, it's good. I, I, love, I love to see the, the lights and stuff like that. But God, help me to, when I look at the lights, think, think about, I mean, maybe this is too, too much, but think about your light and, and think about why we're celebrating this. Man, is there anything better? And God, help me to hope, Lord, in the coming Messiah of Jesus, um, your second coming where you're going to make everything right that isn't right. And help me also, God, to hope in the promises of healing and, and uh, justice and the things that you promise. Thank you, God, for hope. In Jesus' name, amen.